This is your host, Tia. This is your host, Tia. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Top 10. Why? Geek Vibe Nation. Geek Vibe Nation. 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 The Top 10. The Top 10. everyone and welcome back to another awesome episode of the top 10 by geek vibe nation if you thought that we were going to stop doing these just because of a little virus we're not uh, but we're all indoors which makes our job honestly a lot easier because we do it indoors anyway as always though i'm your host tia and i have with me my amazing co-host Brittany. how are you I can say I'm good. I'm a little stir crazy. I'm ready to leave the house. But besides that, I'm feeling pretty good. The cats are uh, loving it. They're like, oh, no college for you? That's perfectly fine. (laughs) I mean, but at least you live in a house. You can just step outside to the back porch. I feel like that still counts as quarantining. I could be wrong, though. I feel like health officials would be like, that's not correct. I was I've been staying sane by I planted a blackberry bush outside and I just keep tending it and staring at it and hoping it'll grow. But it's been raining so much I'm like, please don't drown. Please don't drown. Please don't drown. That makes me so excited. My grandparents had a blackberry tree when they lived in Florida and we used to pick the blackberries and then freeze them so that we could put them on top of ice cream. So I just gave you an idea in case they do ever grow. I always say I love blackberry and ice creams. I, I, ice creams, plural. Uh, ice cream. Uh, that's a big hope I have, but it takes like a year or two years for them to actually like uh, come to fruition. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, I'm very excited. But I keep staring at it. I'm like, please don't let the, please don't let the virus get it. Let, leave it alone. This is the one good thing I have to look forward to. But I, I will say. I will say one thing, in, again, in regards to my grandparents' uh, garden. They, so my grandparents lived in Florida for eight years, and they grew a lot of stuff, blackberries, oranges, grapefruits, lemons, and stuff. They had a banana tree. In the eight years that they lived there, it grew bananas once. <laughs> Just oh, once. my gosh. Yeah. So, That's a lazy yes, banana tree. <laughs> I'm keeping my fingers crossed, though for your blackberries, but um, that is one thing that I feel like I'm doing more while self-isolating is eating, so that's not good, but what I'm also doing is watching a shit ton of movies, which is why we decided to do tonight's topic, which is the top 10 movies to watch while quarantined, Um, because we're all stuck inside and nothing new is really coming out. We just have a plethora of time to revisit old movies and TV shows. But this is about movies. I've been watching a shit ton. I don't know about you, Brittany, but it has been like a nonstop movie marathon for me over here. I was going to say, it's been a whole lot of YouTube marathoning and uh, watching a whole lot of Twitch streams, which I'm telling you, Twitch is popping right now. It's a good thing and a bad thing, but normally I have so many people followed on there, and I'll go to watch a stream. Normally at one time, the most I see on there 
is that 10 people out of like 40 something people I have followed. No, like actually I probably follow more than like 40, but like they're all streaming right now. All of them. I had to scroll like three, four times just to get to the bottom when normally it takes like half a scroll to go live. Like everybody's like, you know what? I better stream if I can't do anything else. Yeah, exactly. It's just, I mean, we all have sat there and said to ourselves, I would do a lot more of blank if I had the time. Well, guess what, everyone? We all have the time now, so no excuses. But um, speaking about uh, streaming, right? So last weekend we did the top ten moments from the movie Snowpiercer, and we had Mark from they call this a movie, and Stranger Jamie's on, which was really awesome. It was a whole lot of fun. I actually listened to their last episode that they came out with, they call this a movie, and they talked about it a little bit, and Mark said that he had a lot of fun. So high five you you and me, Brittany. We did a good job entertaining him. <laughs> Man, like, it makes me think of, like, anytime somebody would high five me on the couch, I always high five them with my foot, and that's all I could think of right then. I'm going to give you a foot five on that one, Tia. You're just that special. Actually, we're not supposed to be touching, all right? No, Oh, none yeah, of that, okay. Right? Social distancing high five, like where we just give thumbs up instead. Exactly, exactly. But before we get into the list, uh, I mentioned Mark and they call this a movie and Stranger Jamie's, but uh, as we've been doing now, we're going to, well, I'm going to read off the uh, little promo that Anthony from that group has given me for Stranger Jamie's. Uh, which, again, if you're quarantined, you now have time to watch and listen. So, Stranger Damies is the ongoing real play D&D podcast from the main Damie family of podcasts. Join them every Wednesday as the wild stallions traverse the many traps and tribulations that Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition has to throw in their path. There's elves, weird half-dragon people, conspiracies to uncover, and more references to the 1980s than Ready Player One. Subscribe to the podcast on all podcast services by searching Stranger Jamies and follow them on Twitter and Instagram, which is at Stranger Jamies. And of course, Stranger Jamies is also a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can obviously find us at geekvibesnation.com or gvnation.com as well. It redirects to the same place, but um, I forgot what I was going to say with that, honestly. Very official. <laughs> oh, my whole thing is that I've never seen Ready Player One, so I guess now that I have time, I should probably watch that. But let's get into the podcast. Brittany, as always, you start us off. What's your number one? I mean, your number 10. My bad. Oof. Let's go. Oh, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, uh, you might want to add a zero to that one, but uh, uh, Tia. I'm I'm bringing back I'm bringing back a favorite. Are you ready for my number ten? You should already guess it. What is the one thing oh, I put oh, on every list? Oh, 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 Silence of the Lambs. Yes, because you think if I'm gonna be quarantined, I am not gonna watch my favorite movie of all time. You've got to be kidding me. If you okay, we've talked about this maybe just once or twice, only once or twice, mm-hmm. but. <laughs> Silence of the Lamb is literally the best movie ever. Sir Anthony Hopkins is a king. He is literally the best actor 
that has ever existed. And if you're telling me you don't want to see him as a like a cannibalistic serial killer who's also very suave, then this is probably we can't be friends. If you don't want to see that, we're not friends. But I digress. I feel very strongly about Silence of Lamb. But um, it is a movie about uh, Hannibal which with Clarice trying to get information from him because they're trying to find uh, Buffalo Bill who uh, likes killing uh, over heftier women and starving them and harvesting them for their uh, skin so that he can make a bodysuit because he wants to be a uh, woman. And as Hannibal says, he doesn't, he's not transsexual. He's not wanting to become a woman. He is just, um, he's not wanting to transition. He's basically just wanting to become what he admires. And basically Hannibal and Clarice going through the steps to be able to save his latest victim. But it's the relationship between Clarice and Hannibal that really get me for this movie. It's just that cat and mouse of knowing that someone's so much smarter than the other. But when they start to play back, it's that, thrill of the hunt kind of thing but it's literally my favorite movie and if I'm going to be trapped in my home for the foreseeable future and only going to work on the occasional uh, time I'm probably going to rewatch this movie another seven eight times oh I believe it I 100% believe it um I want to say that Silence of the Lambs has popped up on probably at least five or six of our lists. But, hey, I'm not complaining at all. Um, I've probably mentioned this on previous podcasts, but, of course, I knew about Silence of the Lambs. I feel like if you never even heard of the movie, you were living under a rock. But I've actually never – I never had seen the movie prior to, I think, our first time uh, meeting each other about, what, five years ago? And so you were like, obviously, you need to sit your ass down and watch it. And I could see why it, A, won so many Oscar awards, why it has been praised by people. It was fantastic. It was such a mental uh, journey. Anthony Hopkins is a phenomenal actor, and I want to, I was going to say I feel like no one could play that character, but I have to give credit that I think Mads Mikkelsen did a pretty good job in the Hannibal series itself. Um, but Anthony Hopkins will always be like the OG Hannibal. Uh, you heard that they're making a Clarice uh, TV show. No, I didn't. Like, But if Hannibal's not in it, I don't want it. I love Clarice, but you can't you can't take Hannibal out of it unless he's old now and you're going to pretend like it's been years in the future. I guess that would be fine. Or they're going to have to it's find be a, someone to be really good to be Hannibal. It's a prequel show, so it takes place before Silence of the Lamb. I don't want it then. <laughs> did that sound whiny enough? Did that sound uh, did that sound shitty enough? I don't want it. It's like when your parents. Oh man, that quick side note. I have a friend that won't eat anything green. He hates vegetables. He hates anything that grows on a tree. He he's weird. And I remember one time he was eating something, and he was like, "Oh my gosh, this is delicious! Best thing I've ever eaten." Found out it was a veggie. He's like, "I don't want it." <laughs> 
he wouldn't touch it anymore, even though he said it was delicious. And that's going to be me. I'm going to be like, this is great, but I don't want it. <laughs> I could imagine just seeing you have throwing something right now. Like if you had a book in your hand, you would have flung it to the wall. Yeah, n- 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 not my uh, not my silence of the lamb. <laughs> Well, you know, I guess we just have to see what happens there. I forget now who they casted as the young Clarice. But, yeah, Silence of the Lambs is uh, phenomenal. Anthony, Sir Anthony Hopkins is... Sir Anthony Hopkins, how dare you? (laughs) He's so good in anything that he does in Silence of the Lambs, Westworld, and... I believe I've spoken about this, if not on the podcast, definitely to you and definitely to my mom. And any, even Juwan and AJ, I think I've spoken about it. But if you have time, it's not going to be on this list, so I'm going to say it right now. It's on Netflix. It's called The Two Popes, and it stars Anthony Hopkins and Jonathan Price. And if you don't think that watching a movie about Pope Benedict and Pope Francis sounds interesting enough and you haven't checked out this movie because both of them are just Oscar worthy which it was nominated for a freaking Oscar and so was Anthony Hopkins so it was fucking good um, but that's my point is just that Anthony Hopkins is such a good actor that he could anything that he's in he's compelling in it and I love Times of the Land. So obviously that was going to be on this list. Uh, I should not have expected anything else. <laughs> but you should have just uh, you should have just assumed, Tia. I need to like instead well, of putting on I the should, list, I need to I, record what I've said the last million times and just let it play on a loop and go. There you go. I honestly didn't think that it was going to be number ten. I thought you were going to put it like further down I, I the list. It would so. be unfair. I thought it would be unfair that I always put it on the list, and I was like, oh, that's such mm. a cop-out. I better, like, put put something, like, you know what I mean? So I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll let it have it, but it'll always be my number one, always be my maybe. Oh, I love that movie. But let's move on. I'll get the number nine, and it's actually a movie that I saw recently, which I watched, and I was like, yeah, I could – uh." This definitely has quarantine vibes to it. So it's called The Host. And it's actually a a Bong Joon-ho movie. We've been talking a lot about Bong Joon-ho. Not only did we do Snowpiercer last week, but we've talked about Parasite. And if you haven't seen The Host, it was, I believe, his, uh, I want to say his first, feature-length movie, but I could be wrong there. Um, So, anyway, um, The Host, right, it stars the same guy who plays the father in Parasite uh, and who also plays the, um, in in Snowpiercer, the dad, who, you know, was uh, collecting all the chronol, but it really was to make the bomb. You know who I'm talking about? The guy that's in everything. Yeah, yeah. I told you that, or I don't know if I told you this or not, actually, let me not say that, but with Parasite, like, apparently, he wasn't even given a script, or he didn't even request the script at first. It's just that Bong Joon-ho was like, I have this movie idea, and he was like, say no more. I don't even need to see the script. I'm going to be in it because you're the director, and I trust you, so... 
this has just been a long line of him being in uh, Bong Joon-ho's movies. So I should really look up the actor. Um, I'm going to do that in a second. But So the host is about this family who owns a concession stand, right? And it just kind of starts out like normal. Uh, he, The main character is kind of like a little – he's a father, right? But he's kind of a little like – dopey, if that makes sense. You know, he's not the smartest. Um, but he really cares about but he really cares about his daughter. Uh that was one thing that I was pointing out to Polly when we were watching it is that you see the daughter come home from school and she has this really heavy backpack and as she's walking, her dad is like following her and he's like lifting up the backpack to like relieve, you know, pressure from her back. And it was just like Yeah, so it's like even though he's like and they frequently bring it up, like, how he's not smart, but he was a good dad. So, anyway, um, they own this concession stand with, you know, him and his father, the grandpa, and suddenly in the water comes this, like, gigantic fish monster. And, of course, at first everyone's like, what the hell is that? But then the fish monster gets up on land and just starts, like, annihilating people. And it gets bad when the fish monster, yeah, and it gets bad when the fish monster takes the daughter. Um, So then at that point, it becomes a movie of the whole family racing to try and get the daughter back. And it's, it's this whole thing because they have to get quarantined at some point because the government is saying that there's a virus going around because of the fish monster. And you find out that in the beginning of the movie, uh, the whole reason why this fish monster even came to be was because um, this lab, like, instructed their workers to dump all these really toxic chemicals into the Han River and shit, which, you know, I think was supposed to make a point of how bad uh, and how reckless certain companies are with dumping their shit into pretty much the river that people drink from. So that's the thing about Bong Joon-ho. He always makes these points in his story. And then, you know, they get quarantined, and it's about trying to break out of that quarantine because, surprise, surprise, you find out, spoilers, there is no virus. The government is making that all up. So it's a really entertaining film. Uh, It has a lot of, like, quirky moments, and it has a lot of endearing moments as well, especially when – the grandfather explains to his other children why the main character is so, like, dopey and how they need to give him more slack than just constantly berating him for maybe not being as smart as they are. Uh, so, and honestly, for it, because I think it came out in, like, 2010 or something, or even earlier than that, I think, like, 2006, I could be wrong there, the graphics weren't even that bad. Like, you could tell that it was like an early film and the monster looks a little terrible towards the end of the movie where I think that they may have ran out of their budget. But it didn't look terrible. It was a nice, you know, fun movie to watch that I think is perfect for, you know, being quarantined, self-isolating. And, again, if you are a fan of Parasite and Snowpiercer, it's always good to go back and watch a director's first project and I think that the host was a worthy 
first project. So I've talked enough about this, Brittany. I, I'm sure that you haven't seen the host, but what do you think about it from what I told you? I was going to say, first off, I, the actor's name is Song Kong Ho, I think. Oh, it's, thank uh, God you God looked it up. I was about to go look it up. <laughs> yeah, but I have to wonder, like, First off, why did it abduct the daughter, and why didn't it kill her immediately? Because I'm like, I went to look at the monster, and it looks huge. Um, I feel like, well, you see throughout the movie, it's not just her that it takes. It also takes a little boy as well, food, because it eats throughout the movie. But I think it's possibly bringing you know, food back to its hideout. Oh, it's know, like hunter-gathering type thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It sounds terrifying, but it sounds like a good watch. Like, like you said, I like those movies that can be quirky at the same time. And I think especially with, like, like all the conspiracy theories that roll around around this time, which... I think so many of them are so freaking silly, like, when they're like, it's election year, you know, blah, 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 of course there's a virus going on, and I'm like, really? Really? You think countries are, like, self-destructing themselves for something like that? Okay, but, uh... You never know, Brittany, you never know. Oh, my gosh! (laughs) But, you know, it's one of those things that, to hear where it's like, oh, there's this, uh, you know, we gotta be quarantined, but it's because the government made it up and there's really nothing. I'm like, that's terrifying because you think about how easily that would be done. Well, there's this really great scene in it where, um, uh, song Kang Ho, uh, is quarantined, right? Cause they're like, he has the virus. And as he's sitting there, this like American, uh, lab dude comes in and they're, working under the assumption that the main character doesn't speak English, so there's a translator. So the white guy is, like, pretty much then uh, reveals, like, oh, there's no virus, you know, like, blah, blah, blah. And then suddenly the main character's like, wait, no virus? And it's like, oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, of course, of course. Yeah, keep that plot moving around. It was fun. There was some comedic parts to it, some over the uh, over the top parts to it. I just liked it. You know, do I think that it's like his best? You know, Bong Joon Ho's best movie? No, no, not at all. But as far as like a simple little movie to watch, I think that the host is pretty good, actually. You know, it's funny that he always has this theme of like the host, the parasite. You know what I mean? It's always, like, um, something kind of scary with it. Snowpiercer is a little bit different, but you are right. It does seem like there's always a commentary on how things are, in like, a common theme in his movies. Well, I mean, every director has their niche, right? You know, Quentin Tarantino's are, you know, even though one's a Western and one takes place in World War II, it's like, you can tell that you can tell when a movie is a Quentin Tarantino movie. The same thing, like, you can tell when uh, there's a Christopher Nolan movie because they're all confusing as hell. So I just think that's how it is, obviously, with directors. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I just say you pointed that out, and I was like, okay, I, I see it. I see it. Yeah. <laughs> so 
my number nine is going to be the host. Brittany, what is your number eight? I know this one's a little bit different, but I'm going to go with Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone because I remember watching this movie. I've watched it a million times. I love the books. I love the movie. And what better way to start out being stuck at home than seeing, like, where it all began again? Because it's one of those movies that no matter how many times I've seen it, it always makes me want to watch it again. I remember my mom, she has a habit of watching the same things over and over again, as she's seen, by the way. Uh, But, uh, you know, I remember growing up and seeing it so many times. And even right now, you could put it on. And no matter what I was doing, even if I was not in the mood to watch a movie, I'd be like, okay, I can watch Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone again. Because there was such a, like, for me, it was such an amazement, like, getting to watch what was going on in the way that they set up this whole atmosphere. You know, you had the school, you had Hogwarts, you had, uh, you're a wizard, Harry, and being like, oh, okay, you know, that's pretty cool. And seeing, like, him going from being a mistreated child to realizing he's something absolutely extraordinary. And for me, it was such the beginning of a of a obsession for me because I watched the first movie before I even got into the books. And I didn't even realize I even liked books until I had watched that movie and went, hey, you mean I can read it, too, and there's more to it? Oh, you mean there's a second book and a third book? Because it was before the second movie had come out. And it became this big obsession where I realized, hey, I really love reading. And all the writing that I've done was because, man, I learned how much I loved reading. But it was Harry Potter that taught me how much I loved reading. So I don't know. It's one of those movies that's near and dear that I could just watch a million times over. Oh, I love that. That that was like oh. your your uh, initiation into the reading realm. But yeah, so I think that any Harry Potter fan would one hundred percent agree with you that this is you know definitely binge worthy for being self isolated or just whenever. I know that it's one of those things where like. I never got into the Harry Potter world, but I respect it, you know? Like, I respect uh, J.K. Rowling and her writing and the world that she's crafted. Like, it's one of those things where, you know, I will shit on Twilight, like, every chance I can, but I would never tell a Harry Potter fan that they're, like, invalid for liking Harry Potter. Like, you can like Harry Potter. There's nothing wrong with Harry Potter. I just never got into it. But I will tell you, Brittany, did you ever play did you ever t- did you ever play the game on the PC? Not on the PC. Did you see PC or PlayStation? The PC. I did not on the PC, but I did. I think it was on PlayStation 1. I can't remember if it was PS1 or PS2. There's a Harry Potter game and the broomstick riding freaking thing was so hard. Like I I could not win at it. Like where you have to learn how to fly. Oh, yeah, that was difficult. (laughs) But did you play it on the PC? I did play it on the PC. I really enjoyed it, but, like, the Quidditch matches were always the most difficult for me. I was going to say it was the Quidditch matches. It was the broomstick right in the Quidditch, like, where you had to fly through the rings 
Well, I think you also had to try to catch the uh, golden snitch. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Which was so hard for me as a kid, trying not to say bitch and say snitch. Oh, my God. Um. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. Like, that was a really, like, fun game for me to play. So it was one of those things where I really liked playing it. I just never got into the movies. It's the same thing, like, I never got into the Lord of the Rings movies or anything like that. But I don't have necessarily a problem. But Are I you going to have a clerk's moment? What, you don't want to let no. people walk and then stop, <laughs> walk, and then stop? <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, that moment in clerk's is so perfect. God, that would have been good to put on my list. But, uh... Like we're uh, sorry, I'm I'm loving it. Transformers, the uh, Lord of the Rings, where one ring to rule them all. I mean, that's a classic scene in the second Clerks. I mean, I love that, and I'll bring it up all the time. But I really don't have a leg to stand on because I've never seen the Lord of the Ring movies. I just really like that scene in Clerks. I do too. I do too. Now, now I have to watch Lord of the Rings so that I can be a true uh, nerd slash geek. Have you ever seen those? I think you've seen the Hobbit movies. I've seen the Hobbit. Love the Hobbit. Lord of the Rings. I tried to watch on uh, the plane to see you one time. I downloaded it because I was like, oh, well, this will be a good one since it's like you know over three hours long, and uh, I think the flights were like collectively like four hours or, like, something like that, and I was like, well, okay, I can at least, like, watch one and a half. I fell asleep. It was good, but there's so much story <laughs> built up to it, it's hard. Really? Yeah, I only want to I only want to watch the Hobbit movies just because Lee Pace is in it. That is solely the reason. You are so, like, his eyebrows, his eyebrows are phenomenal in it, though. His eyebrows, like, just draw me in, and I'm like, I kind of want to watch it just for you. I was going to say, isn't he also uh, Draco Malfoy's dad and Harry Potter? Oh, my God, it's full circle, Tia. It's full circle. No, he's not in the Harry Potter movies, is he? Go look it up. I thought he was Malfoy. I Malfoy. Lee Pace? Oh, let me see. Malfoy's dad. I can't remember his dad's name. I'm a bad Harry Potter friend. A f- fan, not friend. Was he, a, he was played by... No, it wasn't him. He just looked like him. My bad. I, I'm a I'm a bad... Uh, it was Jason Isaacs. Oh, Brittany. Bad, bad Harry bad, Potter. Hey, I, all I remember was his eyebrows. But his eyebrows weren't as magnificent as I saw him. Maybe I was just literally thinking of super blonde Lee Lee Pierce. Is that his name? Lee Pace. <laughs> Pace. Oh my God! I can't talk today, Tia. I cannot. It, I, this quarantine has gotten me all fuzzled. I haven't seen this. I was uh, born in the dark, raised in the dark. I didn't see the light until I was already a grown woman. She's she's gone insane, truly. So I'm sorry, Brittany. You, we need to get you some help, but I don't know if there's any help that could ever truly assist you. 
You're rude. No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, I do want to take a moment to talk about techni- technicalities, technical, technical difficulties. Do you still hear it? Because I don't hear anything on my end. And as we all know, everyone, my mom listens to this, and she would have said something if there was, like, being sound. Oh, no, on my end, it just sounds like, uh, you know, almost, like uh, when you're on your computer and it's like a bling, like a bling, and then a bling, like it's disconnecting, reconnecting. It's, uh, oh, it just happened again. It's like a bling. But who knows? It could, like, I don't see anything like a text message showing up on my phone that would be popping it up. But you know what? It's probably just, it could be my end. I just, I heard it, and I was like, man, this really sounds like a phone connecting and disconnecting. I don't understand that. My phone is literally disconnected to it. What the hell? Why now, God, do you decide to mess with my top ten? Of course I wait. I don't hear it anymore. You may have screamed it into submission. Did I scream it into existence? Yeah, you screamed it into submission. I don't hear it now. I don't know. I've been getting a lot of, like, notifications on my phone. Like, it's just unbelievable. The, I was cooking dinner, and then my phone went off, like, 95,000 times due to, like, Twitter notifications. So maybe it's Twitter, but that's so weird. Like, why would you hear it? Like Twitter's I don't popping know. lately. It could have been my phone. Who knows? I just, I thought maybe it was that, and I was like, oh, I'll let Tia know. But it could have just been me. I don't know. That's going to drive me crazy now. It's probably the freaking notifications. Oh, my God. I'm going to, like, beat someone. Anyway, let's move on, and hopefully that stops. Uh, I do apologize for anyone listening, and if they're hearing this, because uh, I don't hear anything on my end. Um, I haven't um, heard it in I a while. It, it might have just been my phone acting up. I was just trying to let you know if it was on there. Because you know how it is. If you hear it, you just automatically assume. I guess. My mom just texted me going, okay, now. And it's like, well, Brittany's saying now she doesn't hear it. What the hell is going on? I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on, everyone. <laughs> We're just going to deal with it, okay? <laughs> I, I don't understand. So I can't. I can't. Anyway. So, number, we're, we're losing daylight here. Uh, number seven, I'm going to do, uh, again, I think, uh, very much the end of the world type of movie. And it is going to be 28 Days Later. Um, oh, that's a good one. I almost put that on the list. Really? Oh, I beat you to, I beat you to it. No. <laughs> um, uh, you so, get it, girl. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, 28 Days Later is the movie that The Walking Dead completely ripped off of. And I'm going to say it, yes, because uh, both the both the Walking Dead TV show and the comic came out after 28 Days Later. Just saying. But uh, 28 Days Later stars Killian Murphy, who uh, falls into a coma after an uh, accident on his bicycle, wakes up 28 Days Later, and wakes up to the world having been into a zombie apocalypse. And the world was just fine when he went into his coma. So it's him having to obviously deal with that whole thing. And unlike the zombies on The Walking Dead who just kind of shuffle their feet, uh, these zombies in 28 Days Later are rage zombies, and they've pretty much been 
training for the triathlon because they sprint. Oh my god! And I think that no. And I, and I think they're the most terrifying like zombies ever. But I don't have to explain the whole entire plot. Obviously, it's a, a zombie movie with Killian Murphy in it, who I just think does a really great job in this role. Um, I like the journey that he goes through, and then especially when they end up at the military base and all of that. And I just really like the movie. I like the ending, um, and I wish they could have done I know that they did a sequel. They did 28 Weeks Later, but it was a, with a completely different cast, and I didn't like that because you left things off with the first one where we should have explored that further with those characters. So, yeah. 28 Days Later, Brittany, what do you think about this movie? I was going to say, is it like me with Sir Anthony Hopkins where it's like, it's either <laughs> Killian Murphy or go home. But um, <laughs> that movie was terrifying. I have a thing about, you know, well, first off, when everything was this first happened, you know, I I took it as uh, before things got so serious, you know, it's like, were people panicking? Because, you know, we've had such an influx of, like, zombie movies, zombie TV shows, you know, they always starts out as a virus, then it's a pandemic, and people thought, like, they kind of laughed at it at first, and now it was a big deal, and, you know, but it did end up being like that, where people kind of laughed it off at first, and then it was like, oh, oh, no. So I definitely think it's one of those things that, uh, what is it, uh, art imitates I can't remember how to say it. Uh, Art imitates real life or something like that. uh, It's life imitates art. Oh, okay. I I am an uncultured swine, okay? (laughs) But um, (laughs) but that, that movie was really good. I still always question the logistics between whether it be Rick or whether it be 28 Days Later. How do you stay in a coma and don't wake up having like peed all over yourself or how are you not dehydrated or how are you not hungry which I know they probably are but how are they even living you know I I just I question things I need to know Tia I need to know because I was people like who took care of them how did they not get eaten what oh yeah well Shane did block that door so that Rick wouldn't get eaten but I still have questions Tia I have so (laughs) many questions I mean, I think that it's only rightfully so to have questions about that, but I can't answer those, obviously. (laughs) I just, uh, I really like, I mean, obviously I like the first two seasons of The Walking Dead for obvious reasons, but with 28 Mm -hmm. Days Later, with 28 Days Later, I just think that Killian Murphy was a better lead, um, and I liked seeing thing I just I liked the shots in 28 days later I liked the, the themes that kind of went on um you know it was terrible cuz I don't know if you remember in the beginning scene they're with a bigger group of people and one of them gets bitten and he's like I'm fine I'm fine and literally like the girl ends up killing him And there's, like, no hesitation at all. And it's like we saw in Walking Dead, it's like they had to have a whole debate over it. And in, like, in 28 Days Later, because I think the virus, like, spreads much quicker, that they were just like, nope, 
be gone. Uh, so I just really liked this. And for anyone who is a Doctor Who fan, um, I don't know what Doctor he was because I don't watch Doctor Who, but one of the Doctor Whos, the one before David Tennant, is the evil mastermind at the military base later on in the movie. That is horrifying. Which, you know, on that aspect, I wouldn't mind seeing a Walking Dead movie, but even a prequel. But I would have loved to see Shane, you know, like getting everyone together, you know, just like what was happening in the madness of everything. Because uh, in the, and I know it's like an offshoot of 28 Days Later of what I'm going on about. Then the Walking Dead uh, Telltale game, you know, the one I told you I sobbed through while I was streaming it because it was so sad. It was interesting because it takes place as people are just now getting an inkling and everybody getting together while Rick kind of wakes up already in it. And it was definitely interesting. So, you know, they there's like a spoiler alert for that game. A small child dies from it. And um, you end up having to take the choice of whether or not you kill them because they get bitten or have their dad do it, which, you know, obviously I took that option. They definitely stay sick long enough for you to have to decide that. But I could only imagine that if you knew that much quicker it was going to turn and it was going to rage and be the type that will chase you down, that would be utterly terrifying. Just like Zombieland. What was it, rule number one, cardio? (laughs) Well, it's like, I don't know if you heard, but they're supposed to be making a Walking Dead movie for TV with Rick in it. It's like... Andrew Lincoln left the show, but he's supposed to be doing a movie. I've literally not heard any details of what it's supposed to be like. I don't know if it was in production or hasn't started production yet, and especially with the whole uh, coronavirus outbreak, who knows what's happening with it now. But it's like, what is that going to do? Is it going to be Rick, like, after his journey when he goes fucked off, you know, and we don't see him again? Like, you know, then I I don't know. I'm just not really interested in that. I would have been interested in a prequel. I would have been interested in seeing seeing that time between Rick going into a coma and Rick waking up, obviously just so that we could see more Shane. That's all I'm interested in. Like the best thing about season nine of The Walking Dead was like the five-minute clip of Shane in there, but – yeah, so no thrusting. Yeah, <laughs> I still like cracks the day, but no thrusting. I told you that with that in mind, it made so much sense when I was watching Halt and Catch Fire because that also was AMC. And when uh, Joe and Cameron would have sex, and you're like, why does it literally look like they're just laying on top of each other? And it's like, oh, because of no thrusting. Like, I at least thought that uh, the Shane sex scenes were a little bit more believable, but apparently you couldn't stop John Bernthal's tips. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, my gosh. I was going to say, with Hot and Catch Fire, it looked like they were just making out, and then he got really tired of making out and was done. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, you know what, I'm I'm through. I'm through here. You know but, what, uh, I'm tired. Good, goodbye. <laughs> I'm sorry. But, yeah, so 28 Days Later is going to be my number seven. Brittany, give us your number six. 
I was going to say, let me look, like, I'm in between right now. I think, I think, I'm going to go with Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Because that, that's an, it's another one. It's such a feel-good movie, Chia. Like, it's one of the only movies that I can watch and be completely and utterly not stressed out the entire time. Even the final boss fight, when he's like, uh, he's like, what are you doing? And he's like, it's called a, what do you say? It's a dance-off uh, jackass. Oh, what I love you that. Say <laughs> oh, turd blossom. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like every part was so funny. And I remember the first time just laughing so hard. I was crying. And I think it's like, especially, you know, as uh, as I've heard so many times, like it's like in these troubling times you know it's it's nice to be able to laugh and have a good time Mm -hmm. and feel like everything's going to be okay and sometimes when I start getting bummed like that I would rather watch something that makes me happy and the music's so good and even though the very beginning is so depressed kind of like it punches you in the basically punches you in the nuts just to like pet you on the head for the rest of the time through the movie and make you feel good it's like uh i don't know it's kind of like the sour than sweet commercials if you've ever seen them where like Mm -hmm. the the little candies will do something really messed up and then do something really sweet afterwards that's this movie but uh, the soundtrack's great. Uh, I listen to the soundtrack all the way to Louisiana and all the way back just because it was so good. And I don't know. It's just one of those movies that I even just putting on in the background would be really nice. Guardians of the Galaxy was one of those movies that when it came to that point in the MCU, it's like we were already familiar with everyone, right? We know who Tony Stark was, Cap, Hawkeye, Black Widow, Thor, you know, everyone, right? We've seen that. So all the movies just were kind of, like, none of the movies at this point we really knew. They were all then, like, sequels, right? So then it's like, okay, now we're going to introduce new people. And you're like, I don't know who the hell the Guardians of the Galaxy is. But then I remember the first commercial. And you were like, I feel really fun. Like, everything feels fun right yeah and you you watched it and it was like holy shit like it's still one of the best movies in the mcu as you said the beginning of it like rips your fucking heart out you're like what the hell am i watching like this is so it was like the beginning of up yeah it's like it's so sad but then it's like everything's so fun from peter quill you have drax who's like you know this you know He's lost everyone, blah, 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 but he's an idiot, right? And then and he's got root. sensitive nipples. Yeah, well, that's in the second one that we visited. That's the second but, one, but he still has sensitive nipples. He still has sensitive nipples. <laughs> but, and then, like, you walk away from that movie, and you're like, why were the raccoon and the tree my favorite freaking characters? But everyone was great. Like, Gamora kicking ass, right? Like, I love the backstory of it. I love the whole and this is the first movie you think about that prior to that we had just seen Thanos like, you know, in glimpses but we saw Thanos full on. It's like, holy shit, Thanos, you know? Uh, and then Lee Pace as Ronin, uh, which I... Stupid, sexy, purple men, flesh blue. I, start, 
I started appreciating Ronan like so much more lately. Uh, I don't think I appreciate him as much when the movie first came out. And speaking about people who I didn't appreciate as much when it first came out, but I do now, Yondu. Uh, I went uh, back and rewatched. I went back and rewatched the Guardians of the Galaxy, and like when he says, "I may be as pretty as an angel, but I ain't one," and I'm like, "Oh, Yondu." But oh, Yondu, still- I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> I think that the first Guardians of the Galaxy still has one of the the best final battle scenes ever. Like when they are first fighting against Ronan's ship and they're getting annihilated and then you see the Nova Corps coming in to assist and you feel so good about that that like they decided that even though they literally arrested these guys in the beginning of the movie that like they're telling the truth and they all need to come together to try and defeat Ronan. And they had a badass ship. They had badass ships, but oh, like I'm when they start you, interlocking into that big giant yeah, shield, yeah, oh, it's so good. When they when they when they go like one and one, they're like blah, blah blah in place, you know, or whatever they're saying. You're like you feel so good, but I'm telling you, like the best scene ever, ever. And I have to talk about Brittany. Is at the end, which yes, of course, the freaking like there's Ronan doing his big badass speech, and then you have Peter Quill, ooh, child, things are gonna get easier, and he's like, what the hell are you doing? He's like, I'm distracting you, you turd blossom, and yes. then he grabs, and then he grabs the Infinity Stone, and it's hurting him obviously, but you see Gamora going, you know, like take my hand, and he has that like. I'm going to get teary-eyed just talking about it. He has that, like, you know, flashback of his mother asking him to take his hand. Oh. And he finally does. And they all start doing it like they come together. And I told you that I noticed that if you rewatch that scene, right, everything is shaky, right? The camera is literally shaking up until they all hold each other. And it's like perfect unity. The camera is then still. And it's like you feel that. And I just love when Ronan's like, how you're mortal and he's like like you said we're the guardians of the galaxy bitch oh it's so good you know what i think we're so good about this too is that we were so used to hero heroes like thor yeah he was goofy but he was a prince right and then you had you know tony and cap and you had everybody else that were like true hero heroes and to have like a ragtag, like almost vigilante group that was just so ridiculous. Criminal. And you have him remembering like, what is he, like an 80s baby, late 70s baby? I can't remember how old he is. You know, you have such a, it would have to be 80s because he had mixtapes, at least I'm thinking. But uh, having him be so goofy and see himself as, like, Star-Lord, and it's like, who's Star-Lord? You know, like, it was, he just wanted so badly to be something more, and I think that was so interesting and kind of something we needed because I feel like at that point, Marvel had went in such a gritty direction where everything was a little more serious. You know, they had a few jokes. They had a few this or that, but... Guardians of the Galaxy was one of the first ones to be truly and utterly funny, and that was really what we needed. Well, going on your point, right, it's like Cap was a Boy Scout, essentially. Thor was like, you know, this righteous god. Like, everyone was, like, righteous. And you literally have then a bunch of criminals, like Peter Steele's Rocket and 
Groot feel Drax is, you know, the destroyer. Gamora is literally a murderer. And it's like, you have them together, and they're the ones that are going to save the fucking galaxy. Like, again, I love in the trailer and the movie where the guy's like, what a bunch of assholes. And it's like, that's what they are. They're assholes. And I love it. They're assholes, but they're our assholes. You make me you know really want that. this movie. You make me really want to watch this movie again. Like, I love the end when they're being told by the one guy, like, okay, you guys have full immunity. Like, not full immunity, but you've been pardoned, right? You know, here's your new ship. Yeah. And, and Rock is like, what happens if I want something that someone else has? And he's like, that's theft. And he's like... What what if this person like you know and Jack's like what if this person pisses me off and I decide to like remove his spine and the guy's like that's murder like this is <laughs> like, it's like he just wants them to behave he's like you literally just got pardoned can you what is that uh in the cre- like uh like with the mates it's like I literally just put this up can you like not mess with it for five seconds. Exactly. So I love it. I feel like I definitely am going to watch it at some point this week because I love that movie. And I don't know how I'm supposed to move on from this, Brittany. Like, I feel like my number five is not at all going to live up. I didn't expect you to throw in Guardians of the Galaxy. I know. I'm sorry, T. I'm sorry. But this is just just because I'm better. No, I'm choking. Please don't hurt me. I'm delicate. I'm ending the podcast. <laughs> okay, bye. Good to night. Five. <laughs> oh, shit. But, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, that was excellent. That was a great, great choice for the number six. Um, I'm going to get the number five. I guess I'm going to bring it to a less exciting movie, more of a calmer movie, I guess it would be called. But, um. It's a movie that I just watched actually recently, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and again, it has like quarantining as a theme. Uh, it's called Monsters, and it was in 2010. And the director, oh God, I gotta like look it up. It's gonna bother me now because he's like known for something now. Hang on one second, everyone. Uh, the director Gareth Edwards has now written oh yeah he was the man behind rogue one and the 2014 godzilla movie so his first movie was monsters it came out in 2010 and yes Brittany, if you look up it does star scoot mcnary um oh my gosh i i could have guessed i could have guessed but so it kind of takes place in a world where in it so it's a little funky, right? It takes place in a world where NASA, like, sent off these ships, and these ships, like, kind of crash-landed, and they contained, like, extra, extraterrestrial beings that, like, they pretty much can't get in control, and they only exist in between the Mexican and U.S. border. So pretty much, like, there's a whole quarantine zone, like, in between there. And, like, America has, like, literally put a wall, a wall to protect itself. Like, how freaking meta is that right now? Uh, but That was even, what, that, that, that's two years before the election. So that's, like, they, they have future vision, Tia. 
Yes. So um, they put a wall, right? And so there's this big quarantine zone. So anyway, uh, Scoot McNary is a photojournalist, and his employer tells him that he needs to get his daughter, like the employer's daughter, out of Mexico and safely back to the U.S. And at first it's like, okay, like they could, and this is just a quarantine zone, right? Like then the rest of Mexico is good. But they could either take like the official route and pay like thousands of dollars for a freaking ticket, or they can go like and, you know, pretty much sail around everything, or they have to go through the quarantine zone, which is free, but uh, really dangerous. At first they're going to, you know, Scooping Dairy's character is going to pay the money for them to take the boat and everything, um, but then decides that night to get drunk and sleeps with a chick who ends up stealing both of their passports and their no, money. No, what? Yeah. So they have to then truck it through the quarantine zone, um, which is really dangerous. But the movie was like, really kind of a true independent movie it I think touched upon a lot of good aspects like there's at some point where uh Scoot McNary's character is taking all these photos of all this like death and destruction and Whitney Abel who plays his co-star who he actually married after this movie and they actually recently got divorced in 2019 so there you go with that little fun fact there I was like wow these two have really great chemistry with each other and I was like oh that's that went on to be his wife. Okay, that makes sense now. I was going to say, um, Tia's over here like, oh, what a pity. They got divorced. And she dries <laughs> her crocodile tears. Yeah, exactly. But they, so he's a photojournalist. He's taking photos at some point, And Whitney Abel's character points out, like, kind of how, you know, oh, how could you do this? You pretty much make a profit off of, people's tragedy and he's like hey I'm just trying to make a living like anyone else he's like your father literally employs me he's like you know how much money your father gives me to take photos of death and destruction like five thousand dollars a photo he's like you know how much your father pays me to take a picture of a happy child nothing and so I felt like that was a good point out of kind of you know how we are today like we always say, right, that there's nothing happy on the news anymore. And there's plenty of good things happening in the world. We just don't see it. And it's like because tragedy sells. So I think that the movie definitely touched upon the whole tragedy sells. Um, and you don't really see the extraterrestrial monsters till the very end of the movie. I kind of think it works, though, because it they obviously did the movie has, like, a $500,000 budget. It had pretty much I just read no that budget too. Yeah, so it's like they obviously decided to hold off, and the monsters didn't look that bad, and I think that's because they didn't decide to make, like, a huge monster movie. Like, it's not that at all. It's more so the journey between these two people, exploring kind of, like, life in this whole quarantine zone and, you know, how America kind of turns a blind eye because you have the people in Mexico who are, you know, living in the quarantine zone because they can't afford to move. 
and there's America pretty much walling itself off when they pretty much caused this whole thing to happen, but they're pretty much, you know, holding their ears and their eyes and pretending like they didn't have a part of this and living their lives kind of blind to the fact that just across the border, you know, people are literally dying. So I really liked it uh, as a quarantine type of movie. It was interesting to me, and I thought the acting was good and the sets and everything. So, yeah, um, I probably didn't sell that as well as I wanted to, but I thought that it was it actually a sounds good. good. Thank I was you. gonna say anything with a Scoot McNary sex scene is probably gonna be at least good for that part, right? Right? No, sure. Well, but uh, well, he told I definitely. Sorry. No, you go. I was just gonna say he was hilarious because it's like at this point, like Whitney's character is engaged, and he's like, "Oh, okay." So they go and party and everything. He gets like really drunk, and she's like, "Okay, I'm gonna go back to my hotel room now." And he's like, you don't want to keep drinking? And that's when he, like, goes and finds the other chick. But it's, like, obvious that, like, Whitney's character doesn't like that, you know. And obviously at the end, like, they get together and all that. But, yeah, so uh, what are your thoughts based on what I told you of this movie? I going to say it sounds good. It sounds stressful, though, horribly stressful, <laughs> because I can only imagine the dread when they realized that the passports were gone and kind of, you know, the being duped part. Um, I am excited to see Scoop McNary in a lead, and I do like the social commentary on that, because you think about, too, um, I was on YouTube, and I have, like, the app on the TV and everything, and every time when I scroll down, it shows the feed of, like, the news. And it's always mm. either sad faces, people, like, looking super bad. You know, there's a headline that's super politically charged that is, like, shining something in a bad light. You know, it's always something. Like, I never once saw that feed and went, oh, it's always like, oh, there was a shooting, there was this, there was that, and, like, a clip of, like, a photo of, like, whether or not it be, like, a body with, like, a sheet over it. You know what I mean? Like, something they can show online, but obviously powerful enough to make you click. And I think that's interesting how he said, you know, I don't get paid to take happy photos. And so I think that part's really good. I do think it's something I'd like to see, except the whole time I'd be thinking how sad it is that, oh, they look so happy and had such great chemistry, but they ended up divorcing right after, not right after, but, you know, they divorced recently. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I, you know, wonder if, like, they both look back at this movie and they're like, shit. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I don't know. Like, the end scene was really cool, too, when you finally do see the monsters because it's almost like a standoff of, like, oh, shit, like, what's going to happen to them now? Because it seems like one thing after the other with them on their journey to try and, like, get back. And, like, Scoot's character is, super hilarious to me because there's at some point where Whitney's character is like on the phone with her dad and she's like okay we got to go the train is coming and he's like put him on the phone and she's like you know it's for you and he's like I don't want to take that he was like and she's like and she's like here you go like, like, oh my oh, god Jesus Christ. 
And the guy's yeah, like, you're going to get my daughter home, right? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I was like, I was just looking at it. Why do aliens always have to be, like, tentacle-looking Cthulhu motherfuckers? <laughs> yeah, it, to me, it looks like a great big uh, octopus. Like, I feel like that's what they look like. But it's interesting, the monsters themselves. Um, because it kind of just looks like they're just trying to, like, find their mates on Earth. I don't know. It, it They don't really go into it that much. Um, as I said, I feel that because of the budget, they it's more of one of those things where the suspense is on you not seeing them, but always hearing about them. So you're just wondering the whole time. Very much like a Cloverfield where, I mean, I didn't like Cloverfield, but, you know, you didn't see the monster till the very end of the movie. It's just the dread of everything else is that I feel how it is with monsters. But They were able to focus more. They didn't pull a, uh, oh, I forget his name now, uh, Michael Bay, where they cover up the plot with uh, destruction and told the story first, cool shit afterwards. That's exactly what it is. It's like you didn't get distracted by, like, monster alien fights and everything. It's not that. It's literally a story focusing on two people, which I appreciate. It's why I like low-budget independent movies. I feel like they have the freedom to do that more. So um, number five is going to be monsters. Let's move on. Brittany, what is your number four? I feel like the common theme is I'm like, I want happy, feel-good movies, and you're like, we're quarantining the uh, end of the world type <laughs> shit. But no, it's like the perfect blend. I really think it shows like uh, also uh, the two different directions we went. So there's a good like mix for whoever wants to watch one of these. Uh, I am going to go with another Marvel for and the same reason I put Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. I'm going to put the fi- first Iron Man. Because if I'm going to go back and think about what started it all, I think, you know, for Iron Man coming out, I would have never dreamed that it would have, like, made this big Marvel Cinematic Universe. I remember when I first watched it, I was like, this was great. This was wonderful. I wish there was going to be more. And then I was like, wait, there's Iron Man 2 coming out? And I wasn't used to movies being built up and interconnected like that yeah. like a cinematic universe like i would never seen anything like it before you know you've seen the star wars right with its uh with its sequels and prequels and all that good stuff but never i had seen two different movies where different names but they could connect like that and then the avengers bringing them all together like it just blew my mind so especially with everything as we know what happened to Tony uh it's kind of nice to see him in that fun loving see him when he used to be such a self-absorbed asshole and how he goes through because you talk about some character development he went from mm-hmm. basically uh borderline selling you know uh, weapons to almost basically terrorists to going you know well you know war sells you know but for him to go through and realize exactly what his stuff was doing to these countries, what they were doing to people, and realizing kind of the self-destructive pattern he had went off of. And I kind of miss the days where he was reliant on the, uh, well, what's it called? The uh, 
always wanted to call it the Tesseract. What what was the thing in his chest called? I can't think of it right now. The no, reactor, the arc reactor. Yes, yes. I did like that kinda, part of his thing. I, I do, too. I do, too. It's like I missed those days. Um, I didn't like the part where it was, like, poisoning him, but it did make sense. But uh, yeah. I don't know. It, I, it makes me want to rewatch it again. And I'm like, if I'm going to be stuck in the house, I might as well relive a lot of things. I think, you know, we look back, I can't remember a ton about the movie because it's been so long and it got covered up with the wildness of the others. And I think it was one of the first times where I was, like, obsessed with wishing I could recreate that feeling of, like, what it must have been like to be in that suit for the first time, to be able to fly around, you know, all his different uh, prototypes before then. I just thought it was really amazing. And I know you love Iron Man, too. I mean, this was Tony, uh, not Tony, but might as well be the same person. But, you know, it was Robert Downey Jr.'s, one of his big comebacks. Well, you know, I... I remember seeing the movie, right? I remember the the trailer and going to see it. And I don't even know why I went to a scene, if that makes sense, because I knew nothing about Marvel, really, at that point. I just think it was because, oh, it's Robert Downey Jr., right? And then it's like, again, coming from someone who didn't really know anything about that world and sitting there watching it, loving it, and then at the end of the movie – when Samuel Jackson, you know who Samuel Jackson is, so you're excited already. But for him to be like, I'd like to talk to you about the Avengers Initiative. And I'm like, what's that? But I'm really excited. It's like, you know, and as you said, like how, like to recreate, now you expect everything to be connected. But to recreate all of that, like that feeling, like when you saw the first Thor and you see, you know, Agent Coulson there and you're like, oh, oh, what? everything's connected and then even I went so I'll tell you right now really quick before I go to Iron Man 1 watching Iron Man 2 there's a scene where Tony needs to use something to prop something up and he uses a Captain America shield like prototype this is before the first Captain America like came back and it's like I feel the excitement And it's like, I feel the excitement now that I wish I would have felt at that point watching that because I didn't realize. But going back to the first Iron Man, I actually did rewatch it some months ago. And I have to tell you, it holds up. It completely holds up. It doesn't that, matter that I came out. I feel relieved you saying that because I was like, I want to go watch it. And if you would have been like, girl, it's not what you remember, I would have probably been pretty depressed over it. I mean, more depressed. <laughs> no. It's good. Robert Downey Jr. is still good. I love, you know, you have to think about the time in 2008, you know, the scenes. This is, I think, what pulled me in. You got to think of where America was at this point. There was all those videos of terrorists, you know, killing people and making those type of videos. And they did that, which is so crazy that they did it in a Marvel movie. Like, people are always talking about how Marvel movies for kids. And I'm like, they pretty much recreated a video with terrorists, uh, you know, taking Tony hostage, and in real life, those are the videos where people are getting beheaded. And it's like, that's pretty adult to me. And the fact that he's talking about, like, having sex, like, he pretty much has sex with a woman, and Pepper, like, tosses her out as if she's, like, garbage. But, you know, Tony is very, you know, Tony is, uh, as you said, I like that you know, he was very carefree, very self-destructive, We uh, very much a playboy, 
but there was always that like gen genuineness in him because as soon as he saw where his weapons were going to, he immediately stopped, even though that was something that other people didn't want him to do, which it goes further into the movie, but I loved it. I loved the music. I love seeing Tony like figure himself out, his suit and everything. I still think it holds up, Brittany. It's still a great movie. It's still a fantastic way to start out the MCU. Um, I would say the only thing that, uh, going back and rewatching it, that I laughed to myself was, oh, yeah, that's right, Don Cheadle wasn't originally in this. And it's oh, like, right, oh. right. You almost forget that there was another uh, roadie, but there's only one roadie in my heart. Oh, is that is it the one we have now? Yes, Don Cheadle as Rhodey, as War Machine. Okay. Okay, because that's, that's what I was like, are you about to say that you didn't like him and that you wish the OG would back? Because I'm about to be sad. No. no, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's weird to think that Don Cheadle wasn't in the first Iron Man. It's like. To me, I, I think of War Machine. I only think of Don Cheadle. I don't think of Terrence Howard. So that's what I'm getting at there. But I loved the first Iron Man. It absolutely deserves to be on this list because it is binge-worthy. It still holds up to this day. Because there, there are other Marvel movies, like the first Avengers, I'll say, that it doesn't really hold up that well. It's Other pretty than cheesy. I think we tried to watch it again together the last time we were together. And it was pretty, uh, it was pretty, uh, cheesy. Yeah, and, like, the first Thor doesn't really hold up, but the first Iron Man, and even, I even like the second Iron Man, like, I don't care what anyone says about it, I, I like it, but, yeah, the first Iron Man was great. Um, I will say, also, I think that the first Captain America also stands up. Uh, you know, it holds up still. I, I watched that. Oh, and yeah, I, I agree. It was good. Um, but, yeah, I, I love it, Brittany. Absolutely, 100% Iron Man 1 deserves to be on this list. Um, I'm going to go to the next one. And <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not a quarantine movie. Uh, it, it could be a horror movie. It could, it could be a comedy, depending on where you look at it. Uh, Juwan, AJ, and I actually did ooh, sorry, a review show for it on Friday. Uh, and it's and it's going to be Freddy versus Jason because I oh just my gosh, I think that when you are quarantined, as Brittany's been saying this whole time, you need a fun movie to watch. And what's more fun than seeing Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees freaking try and kill each other? I don't know. I love this movie. It's super entertaining. It's hilarious. It's you know, just it's it's uh satisfying. It's like junk food, right? You just wanna see <laughs> this. It's it's just great. I'm I'm gonna stop talking because I want Brittany, have you seen Freddy versus Jason? We watched it together. It won the, the second time you ever came to Arkansas and uh when we were playing Outlast and all of that in the uh spare bedroom we watched freddy versus jason and i remember laughing so hard because i was like is it supposed to be scary or funny like like you said and you're like it can be whatever you want 
Well, it's so funny. So when we did the review show on Friday, we also had uh, two guests with us, KJ and Patrick, and they were more so there as like uh, commentary because they actually hadn't seen the movie. Um, And they were saying that they, like KJ was saying that she doesn't like scary movies and Juwan's like, it's a comedy. Like it shouldn't even be It's a comedy. Because it's so, like, it's ridiculous, it's hilarious, but there are some fantastic shots in it, like, uh, oh, I'm so sorry, I don't know why I said AJ, AJ wanted to be on that, Dom was there with us, um, my bad, Dom, love you. Uh, Dom's gonna Dom, come for your butt. Oh, God, I, I know, I know, I think it's because AJ wanted to be on that, and also, I just spoke with AJ yesterday, so it's like, in my head, I'm like, AJ, but Dom you got AJ was there on the brain. On- yeah, pretty much. But Dom was there on Friday, and he pointed out some really fantastic shots in the movie as well. Um, so it just, to me, it never gets old. I can watch it and rewatch it. I just think it's a great, like, movie in general. It's, uh, to me, like, peak early 2000s uh, horror, the ridiculous tropes in it. And for anyone out there, if you actually own the Freddy vs. Jason DVD set like I do, you should watch the commentary because it's hilarious. It's Robert England, the guy who played Freddy Krueger and, and the director, and their commentary is so funny. Like, they get to the part where the girl who is, like, the 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 rebellious one, they're like, oh, She's drinking, she's smoking, she's having sex, she clearly dies. And it's like, yeah, that was, you know, you know, that follows the complete uh, freaking, you know, trope that every single horror movie wishes to do. I love that shit, though. I know. (laughs) I know. So to me, I was like, look, see, Brittany, I can put down something fun that doesn't involve um, quarantine stuff. Death and destruction? No, shook it. I was only teasing you, I promise. But what I what I think I like about it is I had never seen a Freddy movie and I hadn't seen a Jason movie. And I remember you saying, like, I think you will really enjoy this because uh, you were talking about how you loved the uh, original Freddies when they were out and how you were so excited for this movie when it came out. And I rem- and I think I said too. I was like, I'm not good with scary movies. And you were like, No, don't worry, you're not going to be scared. And I remember like us just laughing because there is so many tropes, there is so many things that are going to happen that you're just like, Really, really? <laughs> but uh, it was just, it was awesome. Like Freddie has such a sense of humor, and even though uh, he's a horrible, awful person, his commentary is so hilarious like how he goads Jason on and using him. It was really good, though. Um, I was explaining to KJ on Friday, because she was asking as well, like, do I have to see the previous movies to understand this? And looking back on it, I don't think that you do, because uh, Freddy explains right away in the beginning of the movie what his whole deal is, you know, what his motivation is, what happened to him. Um, and why he needs Jason, and it's explained in a flashback, like, pretty much halfway through the movie, what happened to Jason, and why he is the way he is, 
So it's like they explain in the movie, like, yes, you can go back and watch everything and see the little minute details, but none of those really, like, there are really never any callbacks to previous movies that you would be lost in watching Freddy vs. Jason. I think that all you really need to know is that these are two powerhouse horror movie iconic characters, and they end up duking it out, and that whole reason as to why they do get out is explained in the movie. There's no, like, previous, you know, they didn't like each other from previous. It's like, no, none of that. Like, it literally is, this is the first time they meet. This is why they dislike each other. Boom, there you go. They almost gave, like, the Deadpool treatment where they gave all the information you needed right at the beginning and all in one neat little package, and you're like, oh, okay, makes sense. Thanks a lot. Yeah. No, exactly, exactly. It's just everything right then and there. So um, I appreciate it. I love it. Freddie vs. Jason is just great to me. But, um, Brittany, what is your number two? I was going to go, oh, it is my last one. So I know this is kind of like following the theme of just, like, happy, fun, even though it can be a little more dramatic. Uh, Another favorite movie of mine of all time is Forrest Gump. And I got to thinking about it the other day because uh, I don't remember what I was saying on stream one day. And they were like, oh, you sound like the Bubba Gump thing. Like the, uh, you got, um, how does it go? Steamed shrimp, fried shrimp, uh, shrimp. shrimp. Yes. And I got to thinking about that the other day. And I was like, man, that's such a good movie. Like it's all well-rounded. You have enough that like when something bad happens, it's enough that it, like, hits you, but then it soothes you afterwards. It's not constantly stressful. Even, like, the run, forest run, you're like, okay, you know, it actually ends up being not funny, but, like, more inspirational. But then you find out, you know, about Jenny's father, who is abusive. And, you know, it, it kind of has that good back and forth. And who doesn't love Tom Hanks, which... You know, he was one of the first celebrities, I think, got the coronavirus, too, speaking of that. But um, I don't know. It's such a feel-good movie for me. Like, I can come in at any point and know that, okay, this bad part happened, but that's okay. It's going to get a little bit better. Um, It's a movie that, you know, it took me so long. I was already an adult by the time I saw it for the first time, but... It was one of those movies I went, man, I slept on this for so long. How did I not see this? And I think you said that to me before. You're like, "Uh, you haven't seen Forrest Gump? No, I hadn't because I'm an idiot. Um, Two things. I feel like Forrest Gump is also one of those movies that always ends up on the list, which I'm perfectly fine with. Um, And another is that Tom Hanks and his wife are – Uh, have been released from the hospital and they're both in recovery and self-isolating right now. So that's good news because God forbid we lost Tom Hanks. Your grandmother would have a finish. Oh my God. I talked to her about that too. And she was just like, Oh, it was such a shame. She was like, he's so good in everything that he's in. I'm like, I know grandma. I know. Um, But yeah. Uh, Forrest Gump is definitely one of those like feel-good movies, and when I say that, it's that yes, there's a lot of tragedy in there, but there's also that just makes it when there are the good moments, 
it feels so much better because it feels like uplifted and everything. So I really like, I, I don't know. I enjoy it. I think that 100% Forrest Gump deserves to be on this list. I, I know. It's like, I have these favorite movies that it's kind of like food for me. You know how I'll eat one thing and I'll eat a ton of it, whether it be eggs, steak, or <laughs> like toaster strudels or something, or bagels, right? That's how I am about my movies. I, I like what I like, Kia. <laughs> I'm a simple woman with simple needs. I don't blame you at all. Like, like who doesn't love some Forrest Gump? It is a classic. I was going to say, now I want shrimp. Thanks a lot, Tia. <laughs> I mean, I have a big frozen bag of it in my, you know, refrigerator or freezer. So, so you know, come on over. Come from Arkansas. <laughs> Let's make some I was going to say, that's why I got jealous about your birthday. I mean, screw actually getting to see you. I just wanted to go to that, uh, that uh, Omandarin place you went. Oh, that place is so good. But, um, yeah, I absolutely agree. Forrest Gump deserves to be on this list. Uh, Tom Hanks is a national treasure, and I'm happy that he is on the mend, as they say. Me too, me too. Toby over here looks like he's on the mend right now. He looks like he's absolutely dying, but in the sweetest way possible a cat can. Oh, Sophie. That's the thing. Now that we're all like quarantining ourselves, we're giving ourselves more time to spend with our pets. Like, Lady is sitting right here next to me, and she's like, "What up, Ma? How you doing?" She's like, "This is the most I got," and she's gonna be so attached to your hip. But by the time you go back to work, she's gonna be like, "She abandoned me." Well, I've been saying this since Polly's been home. She's, like, favoriting him more, and I'm like, I don't like this. I need to establish my relationship with my dog now. You need to make her miss you. You need to make her miss you. Oh, little baby. But, yes, Forrest Gump, 100%. Um, so, Brittany, with that being said, we are down to the last movie in our top ten movies to watch while quarantine uh let's go through the list as we always do can't even talk first we have silence of the lambs then we have the host uh then harry potter and the sorcerer's stone we have 28 days later guardians of the galaxy monsters iron man freddy versus jason forest Gump, and our number one coup de gras which I am taking a page out of your book, Brittany, and it is going to be Avengers Infinity War. Uh, oh, because snap, girl. Literally, oh, snap. <laughs> oh, no, Tia. You're going to hell, girl. I know, I know. But I can continue watching Avengers Infinity War. This is the movie that this whole entire shit has been leading up to, right? I mean, first of all, it's when we finally get the Guardians of the Galaxy merging with the Avengers, which is like they've always been separate. And it's like, okay, tell me how excited you were, that first trailer, right? And it's like, I remember it. The trailer starts off with each of the Avengers uh, members echoing 
uh, Nick Fury's speech from the first one. You know, there was the mission to bring the best, you know, together, blah, blah, blah. And you get this whole, you know, trailer, and you're like, it's so good, it's so good, it's so good. And you're not even really thinking about it. And at the end of the trailer, you see Thor, and he turns around and he goes, who the hell are you guys? And for that split second, you're like, he's talking about the Guardians of the Galaxy. And then turn around, and there's the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, that's the kind of shit that I love. That yeah. was what we needed. I, that like that's what like the movie experience is about. And so you get the first, in, you get Avengers: Infinity War, and it is like nonstop action, right? It obviously, like you knew you were in for some shit when the movie started, but the theme song didn't start. Because remember, like every movie. Like when the opening credits go and it's like the comic book thing, you know, with the Marvel and it's like that did it, did it, you know, and it's like none yeah, of yeah, that was like there. Yeah, it was about to happen. And it's like nothing was there. You just hear like the death and destruction. That's when you meet Thanos, and that's when Loki dies, which still cry about to this day. Oh, uh, but... Oh, he gets his own show now. I am still sorry for the little green bitch. When are we going to see it? Everything is postponed. But, I know, Zia, um, I know. But, um, you know, everything's so quick after that, right? I thought, it's like, how did they pull that off? Literally pulling everyone in. You get Doctor Strange, and it's like, boom, boom, boom. It's like everything goes. Like, everyone's being in, brought in together. And it's like, one mission. Thanos is coming. We got to do what we got to do. And, like, I just loved it, right? Like, I look back, I watch it, like, Tony coming in. Like, you know, and he's he's reunited with Bruce Banner. And Bruce is telling him about, you know, everything that's going on. And Bruce doesn't even know that, like, civil war happened. So Tony's not even in communication with Cap. And it's like he's going to call him. You think he's going to call him. And then you just see, like, the wind outside. And, like, that was such a beautiful scene in New York when, like, the alien ship was coming. But it's like, I know. Like, I'm going to just speed through this because, that was fantastic. Then it's like you have Spider-Man. They, they literally pulled like everyone in. Spider-Man on the bus with all the people. Stanley's cameo. Um, you got the Guardians. You got everything. Blah 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 blah. And I can probably go through the whole movie because there's so many fantastic fucking scenes. But before I pass it to you, I need to talk about one scene in particular, which is the absolute best scene in that movie, and is Thor's entrance into Wakanda because. Brittany, oh, you, saw that yay. you saw that movie four times in the theater. I saw it three times. The first time I saw it, it was like you're sitting there and you're like, Thor is like dying right now, right? Because he just got a star freaking like blasted onto him, which, yeah, hell yeah, Peter Dinklage was in it as well. Right. right? And, and then they're getting like annihilated in Wakanda by these insane looking creatures um and then suddenly it's like as it all of a sudden the freaking blast i my theater lost their mother effing mind me too like i was shattered like oh my god and there's thor and it's like and him just like bring me Thanos. Oh, it was oh. such a good scene. I remember getting chills because I was like, oh, I was like, he's 
he angry, but uh, he angry. which always leads back to the you should have gone for the head, you know, such oh. a. We see gives Thor a healthy dose of PTSD in the the next movie. But I think what I love so much, like, I know it's such a weird scene that I like so much, but when Thanos has hand-to-hand combat with the Hulk at the beginning, to me, the choreography for that and how smoothly it went and realizing, Mm -hmm. it really set up for how powerful Thanos was. Because we had seen Iron Man, even in his Hulkbuster suit, struggle, like, horribly struggle and we know cap can't beat him we know that the avengers by themselves cannot beat the hulk right and so for me to see thanos just literally whoop him into submission so bad that he doesn't even want to come out of banner i was like oh no this guy's a badass and he has the sentence behind it to actually do it i was like this is not gonna be good it was a good setup (laughs) It was a great set. I will say that, I mean, the whole, I love the callback of that scene. Because if we look back at the first Avengers, you know, uh, Loki and Tony have their confrontation. And Loki says, I have an army. And Tony's like, yeah, we have the Hulk. And it's like to put all that emphasis behind the Hulk that it doesn't matter if you have an army, we have the fucking Hulk. And obviously we saw how terrified Loki was of the Hulk in Ragnarok. So for him to be confronting Thanos and then him say so confidently, we have the Hulk, it's like, oh, that's such a cool, like, callback. And, I mean, the Hulk did the Hulk did hold his own a little against Thanos at first, but, yeah, Thanos just, like, obliterated him. I love at the end when... Thanos made his entrance, and Bruce kind of has that, like, hey, Steve, that's him, and it's like, well, like, the whole thing was so good, like, there was so much to it, we could spend, like, forever just going on and on and on about it, but, like, you know, the Wakanda scene, obviously, is a huge scene. I love when, uh, when M'Baku is like, this will be the end of Wakanda, and Okoye is like, it will be then the most glorious battle ever. And it's like, they really did, like, put 100% in. And I love when, like, they charge, and you see just T'Challa and Steve are at the forefront just running, um, because both of them, I guess, have, you know, the superhuman speed and strength and everything, but... He had the um, two leaders showing up. And I like that yeah. they didn't make one over the other. It's like, like, T'Challa's the fucking king, and Cap is motherfucking Captain America. So it was nice well, for them love, to run alongside one by one. I love when they're all getting ready, and it's still such a great line when T'Challa's, like, instructing his people, and he's like, and get this man a shield, and it's like, yes, yes get that mother a shield, um, you know, and he gives Bucky the arm and everything, but uh, before, you know, I, I move on to you, I'm sorry, I just can continue talking more and more about this movie, because uh, it was so effing good. I think that what this movie did that was so great was really establish Wanda and Vision's uh, relationship because we saw it, like, budding, essentially, in Age of Ultron and Civil War, but you never knew if they really were going to, like, go there 100%, and they then obviously showed that, yes, in 100% they are a couple, 
Um, and I rewatched Infinity War because I went through this like Marvel binge not too long ago, and I just realized how utterly sad it was when Vision is telling Wanda like it needs to be her. He's like, it's not fair. He goes, and I don't want to ask this of you. He was like, but it needs to be you. And he's like, I'm not afraid. I just feel you. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. Oh, so freaking sad. Just for it to be reversed and then ripped out of his freaking skull. Oh, I know. Thanos was just one bad. Thanos was like one bad mother effer in this because he literally, like, I'm sorry. Okay. I know you're a big Thanos apologist. But I do not believe, like, as Gamora said, that is not love. He did not love Gamora, all right? He literally flung her off of the fucking cliff. He loved her in the only way he knew how. Oh, oh, and that's another thing. When it's like that, that movie really established how much Peter and Gamora loved each other. And when she's literally sitting there begging Peter to kill her, and he's like, you were supposed to go left. And he's just crying. Like, I, all right, you're a Thanos apologist. I will forever be a Peter Quill apologist, okay? You, I oh, don't care. I, I don't care. Like, he had, I know that in that moment, it wasn't the right thing to do because literally they almost had the gauntlet off of his hand. But you have to understand where Peter Quill was coming from. And I'm sorry, okay? I'm sorry. Like, he, I don't care. Thanos shouldn't have done that, all right? That whole, oh, God, that scene was great, right? Fucking uh, Tony and Peter Parker working alongside the Guardians. uh, And freaking Tony just being 100% done with, like, those idiots. I just think it's always still so sad that you realize how much that affected Tony when uh, Peter went, uh... I don't feel. Oh. What do you say, Mr. Stark? I don't feel so good. Feel so good. Oh, that was so bad. I, I like rewatching that scene. Is so like heartbreaking when, like, they start disappearing and Tony looks at Peter Quill at first and he's like, "Easy now," and Peter's like, "Oh shit," and he starts disappearing. And I just love like him go looking at Doctor Strange and he's like, Tony, it was the only way. Oh, uh, because at first you're like, he just gave it away and then you're like, oh, that's yeah. why. Because you're like, because Stephen Strange said in the beginning of the movie, he was like, when it comes to saving you or saving the stone, I'll pick the stone. But then he literally gives the stone away and you're like, what happened? Did you get attached to Tony that freaking fast? It's like, nope. This is the only uh, reality in which they survive in the end. I would say, freaking uh, Doctor Strange got to the spoiler to the movie. Have you seen those memes? It's like when you get to know Doctor Strange got to see a million different versions of Endgame, and you're just sitting there <laughs> jealous. I saw the one where it was like, uh, Doctor Strange saw the end of Endgame, but he didn't spoil it, so don't you either. Oh, like, shit, right? I loved that. Like, you and I actually saw Infinity War in the theater, and I think weren't we, like, the only ones in Arkansas? 
Oh, yeah, because it was, like, late. Like, and I said, oh, we've already seen it a million times, but do you want to see it together? And you're like, yes. And I think we were, like, the only ones in there. I think we, I think there was one other person there, and we were like, I wish there wasn't that one last person there so that we could just be as loud as we wanted to be. I know. <laughs> I'm telling you, though, the theater that I was in the first two times was loud as hell when uh, Thor entered into Wakanda and it's so crazy to have had a theater that was that loud to then become so utterly silent at the end when we're like wait what's going on is this how they're ending the movie I just want to know how many little kids cried that's all I needed to know I'm it was telling you, kids get dramatic over that stuff, too, because uh, when the G1 Transformer movie happened, there was a kid that locked himself in his room after Optimus Prime died and would not come out. Like, he was inconsolable. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I cried, too, at the end. I was like, well, I was more so, I was more so shocked. I was like, what? The fuck! I think <laughs> they, I they really went for it. They really did it. I, I really, Brittany, I really think that that was my thought there. I was like, they really did it. I was like, they did the one thing. Like, I hate when people are like, oh, Marvel's cookie cutter. I'm like, you can't tell me that anyone thought ever that they were going to end a movie with literally dusting half of the freaking cast. I was like, that shit was crazy to me. Okay, and I cried. Is you could no go ahead. You, uh, I was gonna say it's kind of like with that movie, you know. Uh, it was enough that you went, oh yeah, they're gonna bring everybody back in the next movie, right? But it did it mm-hmm. in a way that you were like, what if they don't? What if they well, because... don't? Well, two things. First of all, I totally cried. Like to me for some reason, the most emotional scene. Like, yes, the Peter Parker scene was emotional, but for some reason it was even more emotional when T'Challa was trying to, like, get to Okoye. He's like, come general, this is no place to die or something, and he started disappearing, and we know how, like, loyal Okoye is to her, her king and to see her start crying, like, this really, like, powerful, strong woman, I was like, I'm losing it right now, but you're right oh. with with the with Endgame because Endgame most of the movie like occurred without the others and you're like whoa what if they don't come back like what if they don't succeed and we just like like all those other actors just lost their paycheck and it's like <laughs> right right um yeah that was freaking amazing the end of Endgame but yeah so Infinity War is. My number one on this list. See, I I got a I got a good one in there. All right, not all. Not no, all, all yours were good. I just thought it was funny because uh, it was either the fun, lighthearted ones or the death destruction ones, and I was like, these are good. You gotta have a good balance. But um, if you have any what you calls it honorable mentions that you'd like to throw out there, I am all ears going to say any Disney movie, whether or not it be Hercules, Beauty and the Beast, uh, Mulan, would probably be a really good quarantine one, especially with all the uh, songs and all that good stuff, but it's definitely a good time. And then uh, 
I'm trying to think of another one, one that I've been obsessed with. I'd probably watch Lawless a million times over again. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to think. I had another one in mind, uh, kind of one of those movies that I'm obsessed with, but I can't think of the name of it right now. Do you ever do that where you're like, I used to hate when my mom would go, oh, well, it must not been very important. I'm like, no, it was important. I just can't, like, I literally lost the name for it. My mom did that all the time. She was like, if you can't remember, it's not important. I'm like, no, it was important. That's what makes this so frustrating. Like, I'm literally losing my mind. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, no, I hmm. I like that. Uh, if you have Disney Plus, it's a great time to dive into all of the uh, the old Disney movies because they're classic and they definitely are something that you can binge while you are home and, you know, feel good, but, you know, have a good cry because all of them have, like, you know, that, like, cute message in it and all that, especially if you watch Mulan. Like, I cry every single time watching Mulan or Wally. I, oh, oh man, ugly... Wally makes me cry too, though. You know what I ugly cried watching? I don't know if you saw it, but it's on Disney+. Plus. Have you ever seen Inside Out? I have not, but I hear it's a really big tearjerker. Oh, my God. I watched it, like, a while ago. And, I was, and like, I think Polly was like, what is wrong with you? Because I, it was like a water fountain. I didn't stop, like, the whole movie. And I was like, why would they do this? I was like, why would they make this? This is so sad. <laughs> I think I heard you talk about that because you were like, uh, I try to remember because it's like the imaginary friend, right? Oh, my God, yeah. The imaginary friend, like, sacrifices himself to become pretty much like a forgotten memory so that one of the emotions, joy, can get back to help this little girl that she almost like pretty much destroyed herself. It's like all so sad. Like it's such a good lesson. It like teaches you that like you can't all like always be happy, especially with like kids development. They need to feel like sadness and disappointment and everything. You know, it was like a really good lesson type movie um, that, I, I really enjoyed it, but it was really sad. I think I would, like, only ever watch it once because it literally emotionally destroyed me. You're like, this only needs to be a one-type thing. Yeah, one time. It's like the Titanic. It's like Titanic. That's it. One, one oh, and done. Oh, my gosh. One and done. Um, But on my honorable mentions, the only thing that I didn't get to put out there was uh, Logan. I, I love Logan. Oh, that's a good one. Like that would be a good one. Yeah, yeah. I thought that that would be a good uh, movie to kind of delve back into because I feel like since it kind of was, to me, I feel like it was a stand, like a lone movie, even though obviously uh, Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart were in it and they were reprising their roles that they played for, what, like 15, 17 years, but it felt like a very much a standalone movie that um, people may have not visited it in a while, so it's a good time to revisit Logan. Also, the Deadpool movies. 
Oh, those are good too. Except I can't watch Deadpool one because if I have to listen to the beginning, like his uh, backstory thing, one more time, I'm gonna literally die. No, no, no. Just, just uh, fast forward through the backstory. Like, that's yeah, what yeah. I the do. rest I... of it's amazing. I fast forward through the backstory. That is the good thing about the second one. There's no like annoying backstory. You can kind of just like watch it straight through. And then you have uh oh what's his name? Oh I can't remember his first name, Bolin. Jo- uh Josh Josh Roland as Cable Josh Bro- who was who was Thanos. Who was Thanos? I know, full circle. Full circle. Doesn't yeah. he mention that? I was just gonna say I think Deadpool is like shut up Thanos <laughs> to him at some point. Oh <laughs> uh, no. It's something about like a nut section. I can't remember now. Or else that was just memes I read online. Who knows? I really think that Deadpool did make a nutsack joke because I will say really quick, this is really off topic, but I kind of like Thanos' design better at the end of the first Avengers when you see him quickly um, as opposed to his design in Infinity War and Endgame. I don't know. In my head, I think like, they made him look more human. Mm. Yeah, like okay. So if you watch the first Avengers right at the end, or you watch that one scene in the first Guardians of the Galaxy, like that's what I had in my head that he was gonna look like. So when he came onto the scene in Infinity War, I was like, he doesn't look like that. They changed it, and I don't think that I necessarily liked that change yeah I I think it was because one I think it's one of those things where people were easier to relate to him where you know he could come off as the mad tyrant but come off as halfway normal or but in the other one it would have been much easier just to demonize him and go oh yeah this weird crazy guy but I think that they went for a more human approach I guess I suppose, but that's going to be, like, the one thing that I have, like, a gripe about. But I, obviously it's not so bad that I can, like, I can ignore it. It's fine. Um, but, yeah, so obviously Brittany and I just gave you a list of movies for you to enjoy while you're self-isolating. There are also plenty of TV shows, um, which I actually went over a few of them in my new sponsoring myself for a second, Brittany. Uh, my new it, girl. YouTube, my new YouTube series called Tea Time with Tia. Um, just trying something out, you know. They're going to be like fifteen to twenty minute videos, just getting in front of the camera. I am not a uh, camera expert like Brittany is, or a streaming expert. Oh, I am so I am so amateur right now. So it's literally just me doing a live stream. Um, while sitting down and just talking, but we, I did one yesterday where I talked about Venom, which actually I rewatched it, Brittany, and it was better than I remember it being, so I liked it, so I did a little quick uh, in defense of Venom, uh, and then today, Paulie and I sat down and did the four TV shows that you should watch while you're quarantined, so while you have our list during the top 10, we also provide you with some TV shows. And uh, as Brittany said before, 
uh, about reading. Now is the time to catch up on all those books that you said that you wanted to read if you had time. There's time now, so. <laughs> but Don't call me out like that. No, 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 I'm not saying you specifically, although it is very Oh, no, like no, I, like, I'm I'm teasing, but, you know, that's how I feel. I always say, oh, I'd read if I had time. <laughs> it's it's like that uh, episode of The Twilight Zone. I had time. I had time, though. I don't know if anyone knows oh. what I'm talking about, but the Where original. Where broke his Twilight, glasses. Where broke his glasses, so yes. Um, but, Brittany, while we have time now, time. Please promote yourself. Let let everyone know where they can find you, what's on the horizon next. What are you playing? Gonna say you can always find me at twitch.tv slash itty bitty brit where I uh do my live streams and uh then playing a lot of different games. Right now I've settled on Darksiders, which is where you play as one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse and Every human has died off because of the war between heaven and hell. So, you know, that's always a fun time. Um, I might be playing some Alan Wake soon or, uh, oh, what was the other game? Shadow of the Colossus. I don't remember, know if you remember it from PS2, but uh, good times. We've been having fun. I did some Animal Crossing. Um, I normally do that Monday through Friday, except on Tuesdays, so I may start doing Tuesdays since I don't really have class, so not much of a reason not to, uh, besides work, so I'll see how that goes, but if you want to keep up with my schedule, if there's any changes, you can uh, follow my Twitter, which is Zero, and that's normally when you can catch the notifications that I'm going live or if there's a change in schedule, but it's been a good time. Uh, a lot of banter goes on. Uh, I feel like I'm constantly fighting with my viewers, but in the the fun, playful way. Of course, of course, of course. But yes, please, everyone, make sure that you check that out. Brittany is a very dedicated streamer who literally spends six hours of her life every night for your entertainment. So make sure you show her that appreciation there. That makes I don't me so tired guys. just hearing it. I don't love you guys that much. JK, JK, JK. But uh, uh, obviously, please... <laughs> Please continue to support the top 10 just because it's something that Brittany and I do every weekend, and I really enjoy it. I hope she enjoys it. She may just be here just because I force her to. But, oh, um, no. Please, I'm kidding. I'm feeling kind of snippy right now. But um, please make sure that you continue supporting the top 10. You can find the top 10 uh, Geek Vibe. Geek Vibe. Can't even talk. Geek Vibes Live. Oh my God! Uh, friggin' uh, Geeks Against the Grain. We're starting a new bit uh, called GVN in Ten, uh, as well as Wrestling Geeks Alliance, Scene and Nerd. They call this movie Stranger Danies. All of that is on GeekVibesNation.com. Just search Geek Vibes Nation on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook for everywhere there and. As I mentioned before, we have a YouTube channel, Geek Vibes Podcast, which has all of our podcasts converted to YouTube form, so you can like that, subscribe, and my Tea Time with Tia is there as well. Please make sure that you support that. It's a lot of fun. I like doing these little shortened uh, videos. It's just 
cool. I could sit down, do it, and whatever. You know, know what I'm saying? But yeah, also find me on Facebook and uh, not Facebook. It's boring there. Find me on Twitter and Instagram, CFAB, and just check it out. We're going to be bunkered down in freaking home right now for a while. So we will do our best to continue providing content for you. Um, and that's, I guess, it. Brittany, thank you so much for joining me tonight. I think we did an awesome job, and I can't wait till next week. See ya. See ya. Y'all have a great night.